0: 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Hope the long weekend has been absolutely outstanding. Thanks for checking out Inside Sports tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's a good old best of edition. That's what we got on tap tonight. We're going to have some uh, legends from the double E football team on the show. Curtis Lazar, former oil king, now with the Boston Bruins. But we'll start it off with Derek Ryan, who last week joined the Edmonton Oilers in free agency.
1: Lots of reasons. Today has been a pretty crazy day, obviously, with free agency. It's crazy for everybody. Um, Two of the biggest check boxes for me going into free agency was I wanted to go to a place where I felt like I had a chance to win a cup. Um, Edmonton checked that box for me. I feel like uh, the Oilers have two of the best players in the world. Um, I think shoring up the depth in the center group or the forward group around them is key, and uh, hopefully I can provide that. And I think they have a lot of the pieces that, uh, you know, can lead to some some success in the regular season, hopefully some success in the playoffs as we try to chase the Cup. I think it would be pretty cool. So so that was a big part of it. Um, The opportunity that the organization, you know, had for me, I feel like, like I just mentioned, the, the depth around Connor and Leon is, uh, was a need for the Oilers, and uh, I thought that was a good fit for myself. So hopefully I can slot in there and uh, continue to provide the, the things I have in Calgary and in Carolina before that, and uh, it, was just a, it was a good fit all around. You, one thing that's been a
0: positive for you is your faceoffs 52% last season with Calgary and 55.4% uh for your career. C- can you can you touch on why you think you've been so successful in the circle and and how important it is going to be ha- to have that right shot option here with the Oilers?
1: Yeah, for sure, that's a big part of my game. Uh I've taken it seriously all the way from when I used to play for the Gold Bears to now in the NHL. It's a it's a big part of Uh, Having possession, uh, hockey in the NHL in particular is a possession game. The more we can have the puck, uh, the more we can do with it. The more offense we can create, the less offense we can have. Less offense we can have from the other team in our end. So, um, yeah, that's a huge part of my game. I think there's more to it than that. Hopefully, that I can provide. But that's definitely a critical element in the, the depth of the Oiler lineup is to have that right shot center. You know, what was it like for you the last
0: three years being part of the Battle of Alberta? The, what, 10 games this year, um, the the fight a couple of years ago, the the goalie fight game a couple of years ago. Tell me about being a part of the Battle of Alberta and now changing sides in it. That's kind of a a unique situation for a player.
1: Yeah, it is. It seems like it's happened a little more often lately than I ever would have thought um, with guys changing, flip-flopping from Calgary, Edmonton, or vice versa. But, uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's a special event. It's At the end of the day, it's another game in the regular season. It only counts for two points. But uh, the Battle of Alberta is an emotional event, and uh, it takes a toll on the players. We're, we're aware of it, and uh, we get pretty amped up for it. Um, I can speak for that on the Calgary side. I'm sure it's the same on the Oilers side. And Yeah, I don't know. I, I've kind of witnessed it a little bit. Um as a fan, I guess, when I was playing for the Golden Bears, so I got to feel the energy of the city um, watching the Battle of Alberta. So I'm excited to be in Edmonton and uh, be on the Oilers' side for the Battle of Alberta. It's going to be a lot of fun.
0: Derek Ryan. New Edmonton Euler joining us then Inside Sports. I, I got to give uh, credit here to the source for de- getting these stats. Jonathan Willis writes for The Athletic, and he tweeted this out about you, that with the Flames last season, you were f- 12th among forwards in five-on-five ice time, but you were tied for sixth in even strength points per 60 minutes, and you led the team in Corsi, four percentage shot four percentage goal four percentage and expected goals four percentage I, I know I'm throwing some stats out there but do you pay attention to your own analytical stats and some of those so-called uh, fancy stats is that something you as an NHL player uh, thinks about
1: Um, it's not something I follow on a day-to-day basis it's something I'm aware of now just having gone through free agency and it's funny you mentioned that you know a lot of the teams that were interested in in picking me up or having me on their team or teams that are heavy into analytics, um, because, like you said, my—if you go on a deep dive on my analytics then they they're—they're pretty good. So, um, yeah, it's—it's uh, it's not something like I said that I pay attention too closely. To, um, unfortunately, the goals and assists kind of get brought up more often. But, um, you know, the—the the people that that are hiring us and writing the paychecks, they pay attention to a little bit more than just the goals and assists. So that's uh, that's a good thing. And uh, hockey is, the hockey analytics are just growing right now. I think it's getting bigger and bigger and more teams are looking into it more and more. I, I got a, I got a text
0: message from a former Golden Bears teammate of yours uh, earlier today. Uh, his initials are LZ. And he said he was going to ask you if you're going to move back into residence at the U of A. Probably not. Uh <laughs> but you know just just a thought on on being an Edmontonian again I mean Zach Hyman said he flew out here last week and looked at some neighborhoods you I mean you probably kind of know the city and I'm not going to ask you where you're going to live but you probably might have an idea or two here along the way just tell me about being an Edmontonian again here soon
1: Yeah, it's going to be exciting. It's a great city. I think it kind of gets a bad rap from a lot of the players in the NHL that don't know much about it. They just kind of fly in and you see downtown and that's it, but it's awesome and I have have a lot of friends there that are basically second family, so it's it's going to be a bit of a homecoming in terms of getting to see a lot of those people again. Um, I've gotten a lot of texts from those people today, throughout today, and uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty familiar with most of the areas where the families live in the Oilers, um, you know, west of downtown or whatever. So my wife's been been on the on the house hunt already, so we're excited to find a place um, and uh, call Edmonton home again. That's Derek Ryan back in Edmonton, former U of a golden bear. Good for him.
0: So a couple of weeks ago, we had voting on our website and you could also enter to win a pair of Elk seasons tickets, but we wanted to know the best players at each position, according to you and Brian Kelly was voted the all time best receiver.
2: Well, I, I, it's very kind of them (laughs) to do that. Um, it's, uh, I was lucky to play on some really good teams, as you would know, which obviously makes it a lot easier. And um, no, it's um, it's a nice honor. And, uh, you know, it's uh, nice for me. I can tell my kids and they'll show me a little respect for about five minutes before they move on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is one of those, um, uh, you know, to me, it's one of these polls. It's fun to do. Uh, you know, I've talked to a player every every week about it and, and it sounds like it's fun for, for the players to talk about. And, you know, Hector was on last night and he was voted the best offensive lineman. But I I mean, I, I assume when you're playing, you're not really thinking about how am I going to be remembered and will I be one of the all-time greats or do, or do players think about that? Tell me what it's, what that's like.
2: Well, I, I certainly didn't, but, um, I don't really imagine many do, I think you're pretty focused on the moment, uh, wherever that would be, and almost, you know, day to day and week to week. And um, if you're lucky enough to put together some seasons, then you're just really trying to make the team for the next season, because it is a rather high turnover rate business, and there's always somebody younger and faster and stronger uh, who would like to have your job. So it's uh, I don't really think people uh, or players really probably think of that kind of big long-term picture idea. I think they just try and go week to week and stay healthy and, and play as well as they can.
0: So t- tell me a little bit about that that receiving core. Uh and I mean obviously you were you were part of the the five-in-a-row dynasty, but the team stayed strong throughout the 80s and you won another great cup in in 1987. But, you know, Warren had a clip on the morning show today saying, well, you could take away this guy, but then there was this guy, this guy. And, it, like, how uh, how good was that receiving core that, that you remember? And how did you guys gel together?
2: Well, I think, first off, we, we liked each other. Um, you know, there was Waddell Smith, who was the speedster and then there was Brian Fryer and Stuart Lang and Tom Richards and players like that that played that other slot back position. And then Tommy Scott and I, uh, pretty much played on one side of the field together. And Tommy Scott is, is probably, um, gets as much credit for the success that I was able to have as anybody. He, um, when I came into the league, he'd already been playing and was very established, and everybody knew of him, they knew to fear him, and he got double covered, uh, gosh, probably for the half of my career, and um, till they figured out that I wasn't that bad either, but he, was, he really took a lot of pressure off me, I will tell you that.
0: Well, and that's interesting, right, that uh, how all the receivers can work together. And then especially for those dynasty years, you had two quarterbacks throwing to you, sometimes in the same game. Sometimes one would replace the other. Uh, Moon and Wilkinson, compare and contrast those guys. Did you have to play any differently as a receiver depending on which one of those guys was taking the snaps?
2: Well, with Warren, you could use the whole field, and I did. And and a lot of uh, defensive players were surprised that – Places that I would go on the field just due to his um, arm strength, and uh, he would overthrow coverages. And you know, long after a play, a defensive back had kind of figured, "Well, there's no way in the world anyone can put it here," and he just let me go by. And suddenly, Warren did put it there. Um, Tom, on the other hand, you know, was um, uh, yeah, he was the general of the team. He certainly tutored Warren. You know, obviously didn't have the physical gifts that Warren did. In fact, hardly anybody uh, ever had the physical gifts Warren did. But Tom was absolutely just as important um, in numerous circumstances. And, I mean, he was the guy that got the whole thing going. He was, in my opinion, just kind of of the cornerstone of the whole thing. Him and Hugh Campbell kind of were always the guiding lights. Um, Other players may have had more star power um, and more gifts, but I think those two, and Tom being certainly one of them, was one of the real cornerstones of the whole um, dynasty years. Brian
0: Kelly joining us tonight on Inside Sports. So I, I, you're, I, to me, uh, you're probably one of those people you like talking about other people more than yourself. But I want to ask you about yourself, <laughs> about yourself here. Uh, sure. You know, you I I remember watching you play. I, I was pretty young, but I I don't think you were the biggest guy. You mentioned Waddell Smith probably was the the speed burner in that receiving core. But I mean, you you got all these prolific stats. You got championships. Um, you know, when TSN did its top fifty players a few years ago, you were number twenty. Um, so what was the secret to your success and and longevity? Like for people who didn't see you play, why were you so darn good, Brian? <laughs>
2: well i you know i i worked at it i, I certainly worked at my craft of being a receiver um, and also you can't forget that i played every quarterback i played with is a hall of fame quarterback the linemen were able to keep the you know defenders away from the quarterback which allowed me endless creativity in my pass running uh, my pass routes that i ran um you know, I, I i mean i just worked at it i when others were not working uh, at their craft, I was. Uh, and that didn't start when I got to Edmonton. It went through college and even high school. I always enjoyed just going out on the field with a quarterback. And didn't matter if it was July and there wasn't a game for three months of uh, just running past banners and catching passes and, and working on, on the craft. The um, You know, and the other thing, there's... The, the Canadian game itself really lent itself to my skill set. Um, the U.S. game in the smaller field, uh, it, it it wasn't as good for me. Once I hit the size of the Canadian field with the skills that I had, it really let me blossom and show what a player, kind of player, I, I might be able to be. Um, so. It's it was really just I just worked at it and, and and I had great players around me and who threw the ball to me, especially and uh it it somehow worked
0: so I want to ask you a question I've asked every guy I've had on this week this question, but as it pertains to their position, so let's say you had a group of. You know, youngsters, teenagers, or even a little younger, who are maybe starting to play football or just getting into play playing football, and somebody says, "Okay, Brian, you got to pick which guys you you want to be the receivers." What 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 sort of raw skills do you look for in a receiver? Or if you were coaching a, a young group of receivers, what would you say? Okay, before we do anything else, you got to have these basics down.
2: There's a a term that people use when they describe somebody's ability to move. And they'll say, like, that person has quick feet. And it's I I don't think it's really something you can um, work on. Tommy Scott had incredibly quick feet. And I don't know if I did, but it's a the ability to change direction to, you know, run, obviously. I mean, catching the ball By the way, I always figured if you could learn how to run a pass pattern and get open, well, it's a lot easier to catch a ball with nobody around you than having somebody hanging on your back. So, uh, you know, the uh, quick feet is kind of a trait that great athletes tend to have. And then, you know, you have to work at it. Um, As I say, uh, uh, lots of times, unfortunately, the real gifted athletes, the ones that are big and fast and strong you know they don't work hard enough and it's no different than hockey I mean look at Wayne Gretzky he was this you know it's the same thing he just worked harder than others and he also had some natural gifts obviously but I would say if there was one trait it's it's called quick feet because it gives you the ability to move really quick in any direction and um it just kind of comes natural I think
0: That's a really good explanation. I like that for sure. And I'll be watching the feet of receivers uh, all year long in the Canadian (laughs) Football League. Hey, this this is great to catch up with you. Um, Let everybody know what you're up to now because I I, you're you're coming back to to Edmonton. Is this is this a permanent move or or what's going on here? I'm sure this this might excite people if you're going to be around town a little more.
2: Uh, Well, no, we um, we have four children and we've lived in Minneapolis for 20 years. And we're moving back. My wife actually is heading up there like right now. We just got our Canadian passports two days ago, and she bolted as soon as she got hers. Um, Yeah, we're going to be living in Edmonton. Uh, We have three grandchildren in the province. Two of our our kids live in Edmonton. Two live in Calgary. And we're looking forward to moving back there. Uh, What am I doing? I can tell you I'm doing something that probably none of your other guest speakers are going to tell you they're doing. I, my hobby is that I do triathlons and I'm doing the Ironman world championships in Kona, Hawaii and 72 days. So I spend my time these days on a bicycle riding as far as you can imagine, (laughs) running, swimming. Oh my God, my days are just I work out all the time because I'm going to be doing a very, very difficult event in uh, 72 days.
0: Well, that's awesome. <laughs> like I- I, yeah. Well, I remember when we talked uh, in November, you, you told me a little bit about getting into that stuff. So that's awesome. You're doing a big one. So, okay, well, we're going to have to talk in about 75 days when you get back and catch your breath. Sound good.
2: That, yeah. You can me a call. If I'm able to talk, then we'll talk. <laughs>
0: that's awesome catching up with Brian Kelly and he's moving back to Edmonton okay thanks a lot for tuning in tonight you want to follow me on Twitter be warned I'm a really boring follow I tweet a lot of Oilers news and Elks news and what's coming up on the show if you're looking for you know crazy little photos and what I'm having for lunch and me getting into squabbles with people. You will not find that on my Twitter account. Anyway, it's at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. Oh, we're finally getting there, aren't we? Finally getting there. The CFL season starts Thursday. The Elks are back on Saturday, a home game against the Ottawa Red Blacks. 8 o'clock will be the kickoff. Our countdown to kickoff here on 6.30, Ched, will start at 6.00. and. Training camp, it's grueling for football players. It's a lot of hard work on the field, in the weight room, on the recovery table, and it's a lot of classroom work, a lot of meetings. And as we continue with the best of inside sports tonight, I, I want to go back to this interview from a couple of weeks ago with Elks defensive back Aaron Grimes, who took us through a day in training camp. And, of course, he, uh, he left for the B.C. Lions for a few years, and now he's an Edmontonian again.
3: It's amazing. It it feels like I'm back home, you know, driving around. Uh, You know, when I came into town, I came from, you know, the south side and just kind of already knowing my way again or or driving from the hotel to the stadium every day for camp. Uh, It's amazing. I I love it here, and and I'm so happy to be back.
0: Are you, uh, and I don't expect you to give the the details away, but are you living close to where you lived before or have you settled into a different neighborhood?
3: I'm living close to where I lived before, and I really tried to get this this spot. Down in the Oliver Square area because uh, last time I was here, my seven-year-old daughter loved walking to 7-Eleven every day. So uh, that was one of our our deals on me coming back up here, was she wanted to be able to walk back to 7-Eleven. So I found a spot close to 7-Eleven again. Okay, well that's a
0: good deal. Good for you to accommodate your daughter. (laughs) Hey, you know,
3: training camp here is
0: is off and running, and we hear a lot about uh, all the preparation and planning and. on field and off field work you guys have to do. So I was hoping we could go down that road a little bit. Let, let's start at the very beginning. What time were you up this morning and what time did you report to Commonwealth?
3: Oh, I'm setting my alarm right now for uh, 545, between 545 and 6 o'clock in the morning. Um, wake up, brush my teeth, uh, you know, use the bathroom, uh, you know, throw my clothes on and I'm to the stadium, probably 620-ish. Um, and I start eating breakfast right
0: away. All right, so an early start. At least I guess the advantage is the sun's already up in this part of the world at that time. Right. Yeah, you got that on your side. So it's an early day. Now, when you get to Commonwealth, are are you doing something physical right away or is it something, uh, you know, more in in a playbook or a meeting type thing?
3: Well, uh, if you want to make it a long time in this league, you're doing something physical, a little bit of recovery, um, you know, just waking your muscles up. It's so early in the morning. Um, I like to get down and, and foam roll, uh, put a band around my legs and, and just kind of wake my muscles up um, because we, we start with an eight o'clock meeting. Um, and then so we're going to go sit back down for a little bit before practice starts. But like I said, you know, the older you get, the more you need to wake those muscles up and start warming them up before you hit that field. So I eat my breakfast, I get right down to the training room and I start making sure these, these old joints are ready to
0: go. Okay, so when you dive into that 8 o'clock meeting, is that the whole team? Is that just the D, just your position? Who's in that one?
3: We usually start with the, um, so far it seems like we started with a special teams meeting uh, to start the day and then just a quick special teams. We'll go over maybe some stuff we didn't cover what we're going to put in for the day straight to defense, you know, same thing, finish up some old film, get ready for, for what's ahead, you know, go over whatever we're installing for the day. And, uh, so those are two quick meetings. And then from there you transition, you know, you finish putting all us old guys, we finish putting those the flex all on our knees and our lower backs and, uh, finished getting ready. And I uh, get back where, you know, we're on the field 915 sharp on the jug machine.
0: I should remind people, you are not 71 years old. You're just, I think, making it sound that way out of some modesty. <laughs> but,
3: uh, Day five of camp, I might feel like it. I don't know. I <laughs> might
0: feel it. Well, you know, uh, as, as you know, I, uh, I'm on after every Oilers game with a gentleman named Rob Brown who used to play in the NHL. And uh, he always uh, says, you know, or if, or if a fan calls in and says, well, what is it like playing hurt? Or he goes, well you're playing hurt after your first shift of the season. So probably the same applies to you guys. There's always pain.
3: Absolutely. One of our biggest things that we always hear is on the first day of training camp, you're never going to feel as fresh as you do now until next year. So enjoy it.
0: So enjoy the moment. Okay. Aaron Grimes from the Edmonton Elks joining us on Inside Sports. So here's what what I'm curious about because, um, you know, as a media member, um, I, I have been able to attend practice sometimes. I know Dave and Morley are the regular guys there, there at Chad, but we get a sense of what you guys are doing sort of on the field. There's so much preparation that we don't see when you, like you said, the, your workouts or your stretching and then the meetings and the, and the classroom type stuff. So how, right now in training camp, how much of the day is spent in a meeting or, well, let's just call them meetings, not classrooms. How, how much is spent in a meeting type situation
4: right now?
3: We are spending by far more time in the meeting room than we are on the practice field right now. You know, the physical aspect, you know, a lot of us are grown men. We get that aspect of it. Obviously we need to continue to practice to get better, but it's the understanding of what's going on when you are on the field so you can play fast that, uh, you know, a lot of people, like you said, a lot of people forget about. Um, we start our day with a meeting. We have meetings throughout the day. We end the day with meetings before we go back to the hotel. I mean, it's it's, One of the hardest part about training camp to me is all of the meetings. You know, you got to stay awake for them. I'm drinking three cups of coffee a day right now (laughs) and, uh, you know, making sure that I'm alert, you know, because you start getting those those heavy eyelids and next thing you know, the coach asks you a question and you better be awake and paying attention. Otherwise, you're going to look bad and you might get your plane taken home
0: yeah well that that's a good point and that's another way coaches are evaluating it's how much attention you play you pay in a meeting and answering questions or even asking questions probably sometimes so will it be i mean i think we've all watched uh, you know movies about football and it's the coach and he's got a chalkboard or a whiteboard and he's drawing the x's and the o's like is that is that a myth how are things actually communicated to you guys in these meetings
3: you know hollywood does a good job of of uh, playing things up a little bit but it's pretty similar uh we're just in 2021 now so it's all on powerpoints and things like that uh but yeah when they put the playbook in they'll put that or, or a new install a defensive install you get your notebook out and when it's up on the screen you write down what you need to write down you, you draw up your job the jobs around you and uh you know and it's only gonna be up there for so long so so take good notes quick notes um, get it all down. And then from there, we're moving on.
0: Okay. So the the coach puts up a play, a scheme, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. Is there, is it discussion with the players? Like especially you as a, as a veteran guy, could you ever say like, Hey coach, th- that's good. But I'm wondering if that's going to work against Bo Levi, Zach, whoever or is it pretty much like no I'm the player and I just got to shut up and do it no, no matter what even if I have my doubts about it like is there any back and forth
3: uh there's never back and forth between myself and this okay. guy I've seen it before uh it doesn't usually end up well for the player um but in training camp it's more so this is the defense and this is how we run it we will get into game scheme come season time right now it's not whether or not so-and-so can pick this play up or pick this play apart right now. It's, you know, this is our scheme, and, uh, we will, you know, we'll modify it for each team as we go along, but for now, this is what it is. So learn it, get your questions out now. And, uh, when we hit the field, (laughs) don't mess it up. Okay. So
0: it's, so it's meet about it, go out on the field and practice it. And then is it meet again and talk about it after? And right now, are you even watching film of your own practice sessions?
3: Yeah. So, so meet about it talk about it, you know, get all the questions out now. We're going to go on the field. We're going to walk through what we just met about. um, And then we're going to practice it. We're going to call those plays during practice. And then we're going to watch practice on those plays later after dinner or after lunch. um, And then we're going to correct what was wrong from those plays. And now that that's all been done, when I call that play tomorrow, you do not make that same mistake twice.
0: Okay. Well, that makes sense. I think that's a, a fair expectation from coach to player. You're you're allowed one mistake and and then it's fixed. Okay, so I think now we're sort of mid afternoon. Is that fair in sort of the timeline you've taken
3: me through? A little later uh, in the day. We're probably after lunch at this point when we're when we're yeah. meeting again. Yeah.
0: Okay. So then what's next? Is it winding down for you or is there still
3: uh <laughs> oh no, stuff no, ahead? we didn't even close. We just okay. we just we just got halfway at that point. Okay. So after we're getting done with lunch, um, a little bit of downtime, recovery time, you know, cold tubs, things like that. Cause you know, uh, you gotta take care of your body. It's a, it's a pretty physical game. Um, and then you're right back to the meeting room, you know, get your notebooks out, uh, get your cup of coffee in. Cause you don't want that food coma to put you out. So yeah, you're, you're pen and paper. And uh, what I like to do is I like to make corrections. You know, if the coach is coaching me up on a play or somebody in my position. Um, and I feel like it's important I'll write that down you know I'll go practice three notes and everything that I'm coached on or things that I pick up in the film room I'm taking that little note in my notebook so I don't make that mistake myself Um, and we're doing special teams um, team you know coach Elizondo will get up there and show some good stuff and some bad stuff from the day break special teams special teams for you know 30 minutes to an hour quick break defensive meetings is <laughs> and then we get a dinner break <laughs> okay
0: that's that's five six o'clock then okay yeah 5
3: 15 5 30
0: okay so how much with you as a as a veteran experienced player how much time do you have right now for you to pass your knowledge on to the younger guys is that something you even have time to do right now
3: that is so crazy you asked that question i was talking to trevor harris at breakfast this morning and we were talking about the fine line of you know, getting yourself right for the season, but also being that leader who's there for the young guys and, and getting them right for the season as well. And it's a pretty fine line. I would say um, I'm there as needed and as much as needed. If you have a question, I, I, I want to make sure that you understand it the same way that the vets helped me when I was young. But if you don't have a question, I assume you know, and, and I'm getting myself right, you, you know. So it's kind of that that fine line of I don't want to, overdo my boundary i'm not the coach i don't want to overstep but if you do have a question please feel free to come ask me and we'll get right together
0: okay aaron grimes joining us on inside sports as he's taking us through a day at elks training camp all right so after supper uh then what is it are are you going home at some point I, w- I wish <laughs> you're
3: not sleeping I, at the stadium I, almost I, I might as well at this point <laughs> uh, after dinner it's right back to meetings uh, we'll have a, a team meeting you know we call it a housekeeping stuff um you know just for example hey guys when you're cutting your uh ankle wraps off for the day just make sure they're getting to the garbage you know just little small things like that that we just keep up on and that's the team meeting uh, he'll lay out the schedule for the next for tomorrow the next day um, when the buses leave for the hotel, when they come back in the morning. Um, so that team meeting is actually pretty pretty quick. Um, and then it's right back to special teams meetings again and uh, finishing up film, but also installing for the next day. So uh, maybe we, we worked on punt today. Well, tomorrow we're gonna work on punt return. This is our punt return scheme. Again, write all this down, get it down. As, you're gonna study it tonight when you get back to the hotel. Um, and then we'll go to defense, and it's the same thing. Here's tomorrow's install. Here's the plays we're putting in tomorrow. We'll go through all 12 positions. This is what you guys do. This is how the defense works. Write it down. Um, because, again, if you want to make it a long time in this league, you'll take those notes back to the hotel with you, and you'll look at your playbook and your notes throughout the night before you go to bed. So when you come in in the morning, you got it down. Okay.
0: Well, this is intense. Uh, this is, uh, this is a, an interesting aspect into the life of a pro football player. So what time do you expect to go to bed tonight?
3: I w- I'm hoping to go to bed by uh, probably 10.30 or 11 o'clock. Okay. Uh, everybody's a little bit different. I like to talk to my wife and kids before I go to bed. They're back home on the West Coast, so they're an hour behind. Um, you know, I'll get, we get out of here 9.15, 9.30, somewhere around there. Um, get back to the hotel, unwind a little bit. Kick my feet up go uh, on some recovery stuff and uh, yeah talk to the family before I go to bed.
0: Well that's an intense day so you got about uh, sort of an hour or so of what most people might call you know your leisure time or your free time or whatever uh, right. So thanks for taking us through that 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 that's amazing that's that's the look into it I wanted and you use the word meeting a lot so that'll <laughs> remind people what you're up to um, yeah are you? What what are you thinking about no preseason games? Like I asked, uh, I asked Coach Elizondo in a Zoom availability on the weekend. He said, "Well, you know, we don't have a choice, but you always worry about, you know, no contact, no no tackling." What do you, What do you think about no preseason?
3: Um, I understand it obviously, and, and I get it. And if that's what we have to do to get a season kicked off this year, then I'm totally with it. Um, but I do have those concerns. Of first and foremost, I, I really feel bad for the young guys. Um, I know when I made the team, those preseason games are huge for me, right? I had to show the coaches what I could do come game time. And without those young guys getting that opportunity, it, I think it could be a little bit harder for them to make the team this year. Um, because they're not going to be able to have that live, you know, game rep and we're going to do scrimmages, but scrimmage is not the same as facing another team. Um, so that's tough for the young guys. Um, and then for myself personally, like you said, we're going not just no preseason, but also no season last year. So the last time I tackled somebody was early October of 2019. Um, so, you know, just crossing my fingers, hoping and praying and wishing, you know, whatever I got to do that, we, we all come out of that first game healthy and happy. Um, but, you know, at this point, I'm going to call myself old again. I, I think I remember how to tackle, you know, I, I'll be able to turn it on come game time. And uh, like I said, as long as the body holds up, then we'll be doing just fine. Well, Aaron, this
0: was this was really enlightening. So thanks for sharing this. I, I think it gives fans a, a lot of a lot of insight in what these days are like for you guys and how hard you're working. It's great to talk to you again. You probably have a meeting to get to, so I'll <laughs> let you go. And I look forward to having you on later in the season.
3: Reed, I appreciate that. I, do, I got a meeting in 30 minutes, so I'll uh, i go text my wife, tell her I and start heading upstairs. Well, that was great. Aaron
0: Grimes taking you inside Elks training camp. It's been a busy couple of weeks in the National Hockey League. Free agency opened on Wednesday. The Oilers certainly dove in there, getting Zach Hyman, Cody CC re-signing Tyson Berry. We had Derek Ryan on the show. They made the trade, Ethan Bear for Warren Fogle. And a few days before that was the NHL draft and uh, the Oilers got Xavier Borgo in the first round. And then as the draft continued, they took Jake chase on the Brandon Wheat Kings in the fourth round, 116th overall. And I talked to Jake about a pretty crazy Western hockey league season.
4: Yeah, for me, I think uh, pretty aware by the end of the summer, what our season was going to look like. Uh, We had really good communication with Brandon, which thankfully allowed me to uh, allowed me to stay focused and, uh, I was uh, practicing with the Chilliwack Chiefs Junior A team uh, out here where uh, close to my hometown of Abbotsford. And yeah, they pretty much were communicating with Brandon, allowing me to be on the ice as, as much as I could. And when I got to Brandon, it was, it was all go ahead. Um, uh, had the guys around me support me and, and really kind of handle my stress a bit with, with the draft. And I had the best guys around me in Brandon, and I can't say enough about the coaching staff and team there that uh, supported me through this uh, journey and, and through my first few years in Brandon.
0: So I'll ask you this one uh, what how would you describe yourself as a player and what are the next steps for you that if we talk maybe a year from now you were to say like oh yeah I, I really improved in that area.
4: Yeah for sure I, I am definitely a, a two way forward with offensive upside. Uh, I'm a playmaking guy and I like to play with shooters. Uh, I feel I have a good sense of vision and passing ability. Uh, As I continue to kind of grow into my frame, I've put on a couple pounds here since the end of the season and maybe what uh, central scouting had me weighing in at. Uh, So I'd like to continue to work on my power forward game, uh, improve my skating and my physical play in the next uh, uh, coming season here and hopefully find improvement there and and keep working until I'm comfortable where my game's at and uh, gives me the best opportunity to make the jump to the National Hockey League.
0: Who's a player or two you grew up watching and have said, i really like that guy or i'd love to be like that guy
4: yeah i I love to pull pieces of uh, elias lindholm's game i feel he's really good uh has some of the best vision in the league and uh he's a guy that i think can uh create offensive chances for his teammates but doesn't shy away from scoring the goals either uh he takes care of both his ends well and and i mean every given night he's uh, one of the hardest working guys on the ice and that's something that i strive to be
0: uh given uh the, the whole interview process um I mean, did you get the sense the Oilers were very interested, moderately interested? <laughs> I mean, did, did you think maybe they were leaning towards grabbing you if they could?
4: Yeah, you know what? Um, I felt a couple teams, uh, Oilers being one of them, I I had a, an eye on for a possibility of ending up there. Uh, obviously, just great some great talks with them. And the, through the whole process, there was a couple teams that, that uh, had interest of maybe a bit more than others. And I was always comfortable and uh, talking to the Oilers and confident with uh, what they thought of me. And, you know, it's just a huge honor to be given that opportunity. And there's a lot of kids out there who would love to go through the same, uh, the same thing that I'm going through right now. So I never take it for granted. And I'm just uh, so happy and honored to be selected by the Oilers.
0: That's Jake Chason, 20 points in 23 games this past season for the Brandon Wheat Kings. He'll go back there in the fall. He's a draft pick of your Edmonton Oilers.